Hello, and welcome to the Talking Techniques podcast. Brought to you by Biotechniques, this show brings you the latest from the frontiers of the life sciences, straight from the people exploring them. I'm Tristan Free, digital editor of Biotechniques and host of the podcast. This episode, supported by molecular devices, will delve into three-dimensional cellular models known as organoids and their role in drug discovery, exploring the insights they provide into disease biology and the challenges that they present to the field. Coming up, we explore just how representative organoid models can get. Microbrain, for example, have different cell types. They have neurons, they have astrocytes, they have microglia cells, and they organized into specific order. And those structures have these layers and cavities and invagination, and which represent the structure. Look at how organoids are improving cancer treatment strategies. So the researchers developing cell lines from triple negative breast cancer, which are resistant to traditional therapy. And scientists use the organoids, which they make from those cells, from the original patient tumor, to actually test novel drugs. And reveal how these models can combine with organ-on-a-chip technologies and provide greater insights into the pathogenesis of disease. And it's kind of this really interesting combination of the the organoid providing that kind of 3D context and then Ooh. also using the um, organ on a chip model to then say, OK, well, we've got we can see this is how they do it going through the representative model of the tissue. But then how does it happen when you've got actual uh, urinary flow through the through the bladder? And they also gave it sort of mechanic stress as well, oh. so that it was like a, a bladder expanding and then closing as well to see how it happened all in that context. So it's a really interesting combination of these two tools. So my guest today is Oksana Serenko, Senior Scientist at Molecular Devices. Oksana, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hello, thank you so much for inviting and I will be happy to answer your questions. So Oksana, I think probably the first thing that we need to do is is establish what organoids really are. Um, So can you just introduce the concept of organoids and, and what their function is? Yes, so what is the main purpose of biology is to better understand disease and find the better ways to treat diseases. And now biology trends toward increased complexity of those models and studies, and they're moving into 3D micro tissues. Uh, so what are the organoids? This is 3D biological micro tissues that contain several types of cells representing those tissues. They also represent complexity, organization, and structure of living tissues and resemble at least some aspect of functionality of those tissues. So the definition done by Lancaster and Klovich describe organoid as 3D structures formed by self-organization derived from pluripotent or adult tissues and which differentiate into various cell types and tissues. And why the organoids are important? They model in tissues, model in development, and also could be used for drug testing and toxicity evaluation. Excellent. So, so when you say they can replicate function, so would you say that's like a heart beating? Would they be able to sort of make that process? Exactly. So if we're talking about functionality of organoids and representing function, so example could be uh, like uh, heart organoids, which beating and have these cavities, uh, which represent chamber of the heart, or this uh, very exciting in uh, cerebral organoids, which has uh, layers of the brain in correct order and also have uh, spikes of activity, which you can measure. 
So traditionally, a lot of the modeling studies that will have been done throughout the history of science really are, are all done in 2D cell cultures. And they're just kind of cultures on plates of a, a certain type of cell or perhaps trying to um, replicate tissue. So what's what's the, the key advantage of, of these 3D more functional organoids over those two 2D cell cultures? The main advantage of moving into 3D because organoid systems are closer to resemble tissues and organs. And so two-dimensional models are easier to study, but they lock uh, a lot of context, such as blood flow or substrate or presence of diverse cell types. And as a result, some drugs simply don't work as expected when they moved into uh, in vitro 2D model. When you represent this actually in 3D, where you have cell-to-cell interaction and substrate and uh, different cell types, it's much closer to actual tissues. So because in 2D cell cultures, you just have the cells there by themselves, but they're not necessarily interacting with anything else. Um, The 3D cell cultures, which more closely replicate what would actually be going on inside a human, um, that means that if a drug works in those 3D cell cultures, it's more likely to work in, in the humans. Is that correct? Yes, this is correct. And uh, so it's considered as a transition uh, between uh, traditional culture and real tissue and organs. So those uh, organoids in 3D culture represent this transition. And so um, it's quite interesting. It's very strange to think about a, a little model uh, of, a, of a heart sort of, I know mean, they're not obviously completely exactly the same, but this sort of strange beating organism. But how, just how, how close to the real thing are these organoids? Do they look like a heart? Would it, the cerebral organoids look like a brain? Um, how, how different are they? So actually, um, there's been very fascinating development and those so microheart and microbrain has some features that really uh, represent uh, structure of heart or the brain. Because, for example, in a brain, they have uh, different cell types. They have neurons, they have astrocytes, they have uh, microglia cells, and they organized into specific order. And those uh, structures have uh, these layers and cavities and invagination, and which represent the structure. And another example, these uh, intestinal organoids, they actually grow and they have also these um, uh, cells, which uh, um, stem cells, intestinal stem cells, which initiate grow and which uh, have this different protrusion and uh, cavities, uh, which could have some gut microflora inside. So they do resemble uh, their live tissues, but they, of course, not entirely as a brain or as a liver yet. So would those intestinal organoids literally have villi or microvilli within the lumen of the intestine? Yes, exactly. They actually um, derive from tissue. So it could be derived from uh, mice uh, intestinal cells. It could be derived from uh, human intestinal cells. And they put into uh, matrigel culture, so which is substrate support growth of those cells. And they start to self-organize. So from one cell, they form first the 
cell clump, which start to differentiate. It forms cavity inside, and it co- it causes it forms like a micro guts protrusion outside. And so this is a pretty complex structure. And then they have uh, uh, some uh, kind of uh, cells peeling inside, so they grow old in a week or so, and they need to be passaged again. And it's a lot of um, studies done uh, using different mutation, using uh, like uh, infectivity with SARS-CoV-2, and also uh, some other studies interrogating effect of gut microbiome in those. This is pretty fascinating. And this heart, uh, it's been a, a recently published paper in uh, uh, cell science about uh, microheart which develop from stem cells, but which has a cavity inside and also fibroblasts and vascular cells present there. And those are beaten and you can record and uh, interrogate these uh, activities. So, so these are pretty in- incredible um, models in terms of what they can achieve. Is there one in particular or one particular application of organoids that you find the most exciting, the most sort of fascinating at the moment? So the most exciting, actually, I consider uh, cerebral organoids. So the complexity of this uh, modeling is pretty incredible. And uh, the most exciting one, in addition to having these different cells present or morphological structure, they have also functional activity, which you can measure in real time. So it's like active organoid. So the cerebral organoids, they have spikes or uh, heart organoid, which have this um, uh, beating and also oscillation, which you can measure. And so you can actually um, start interrogate uh, them more specifically. You can look at different disease model. You can uh, uh, study responses to different stimulation. And also you can actually study effect of different drugs, uh, candidates, compounds, and for efficacy of drug candidate or for toxicity of um, substrate and chemicals. And, and so you, you've mentioned the, the application of, of drugs there. So how exactly would you be using organoids in drug development? So there is a pressing need for a biological model system that better resemble human biology than traditional 2D cell cultures or the animal models to improve and uh, prediction and preclinical selection of drug candidates. And so those 3D models present uh, various tissues and been successfully used already for studying complex biological effects and also tissue functionality. And we can interconnect and interrogate them and accurately replicate in vivo function of an organ. Examples include Hub Institute in Utrecht, where scientists working on development of multiple intestinal organoid cell lines from cystic fibrosis patients and use this information for diagnosis or drug screening. Other example is, for example, Cincinnati Hospital, where scientists working with samples from cancer patients. So is it a case of um, you, you have your organoid, so you've, you've developed your organoid to be representative of a specific tissue, um, and then 
you induce a um a sort of disease state in that in that organoid either do you like sort of genetically engineer them to to represent or to to have cancer essentially or to to have cystic fibrosis and then is it literally applying the drug to those organoids and seeing what happens and monitoring those results uh, yes, this is exactly um, accurate. So there are two ways to create this disease-related uh, organoids or tissues. One way is to develop uh, those organoids from actual patients. So it could be cohort of patients representing certain disease or certain modification of disease, and also like a cohort of uh, healthy individuals, which would... Um, allow to develop those uh, samples as a control. And then those diseases could be studied. So uh, the example now is this intestinal organoids where people uh, derive it from healthy individuals and also from individuals, let's say from cystic uh, fibrosis or Crohn's disease or cancer. And uh, another way is uh, to actually create um, those uh, uh, disease-related models by using mutations. So in many cases, mutations are known, which cause diseases. In many cases, uh, uh, mutations are not exactly known, or there is too many candidates to pinpoint the certain mutation. So the way to model is, is to use CRISPR uh, uh, technology for mutation of cells, and usually it's uh, uh, done in induced pluripotent stem cells, which then develop into organoids which carry specific mutation. And then scientists study morphology, study you know, physiological response, and can actually test drug effects. So the most um, interesting example which I can tell, so the researchers in Tulane University developing cell lines from a specific uh, disease phenotype for example, in this case, from triple negative breast cancer, which are resistant to traditional therapy, but show sensitivity to some novel drug candidates, like some novel kinase inhibitors. And scientists use the cell lines to demonstrate and actually organoids, which uh, they make from those cells with, uh, from the original patient tumor. So those cell lines are, are literally being taken from um, from existing patients or are these patients that were involved in a study a very long time ago that they're then building those those cell lines from? So actually right now this is from actually contemporary patients from the actual patients they um, reject the tumor and then they um, propagate it and then they use these uh, cells to actually test novel drugs. And uh, what is most fascinating about it is that drug responses actually correlate with responses of uh, the actual uh, patient. And uh, so for this has huge, huge implication for personalized medicine. So actually, you can imagine next step of patient treatment as they will not be uh, treated with some approaches which kind of one uh, fits all, but it uh, would be life cells from the patient could be used to interrogate this testing of uh, different uh, drugs in different drug combination. And then the one could be chosen which actually effective for this specific cancer. And that combination could be chosen to treat specific patients. So it's a huge implication. 
So we'd be moving from just using set sort of, okay, you have this cancer, we'll apply this chemotherapy to instead taking cells from perhaps your, their tumor and then growing them into an, uh, or generating an organoid from those cells and then Mm -hmm. testing a set, uh, a set therapeutic regime against it and seeing how that works and testing different ones on it. And then seeing if you, which was the the best one to apply. That's, uh, that's fascinating. Um, and, and so just how representative do you think these organoid models can get of those um, in terms of the, the patient-derived organoid models? Um, mm-hmm. How close can they be to what is happening inside that patient? Excellent. So as uh, all in vitro model systems, there are limitation of representation of live organisms. So scientists approach to the modeling tissues and diseases and approach more and more closely, but organisms represent interaction of different tissues and organs. For example, interaction of liver, heart, brain, blood cells, and complexity of organisms in response to condition, even like response to uh, drug treatment or response to inflammation or infection or metabolic diseases. And so further development is going toward efforts to create body-on-a-chip system that would not represent um, not only tissue, but also interconnection and interaction of different systems. And another challenge is that uh, current limitation of system because they represent relatively immature types. So especially if they derive from... uh, um, induced pluripotent stem cells, and they resemble early stage of development. But technologies and protocols constantly improving to achieve greater maturity and representation of tissues. So as you said there, the um, I guess it's again the same issue, just on a larger scale. So whereas organoids have taken things from being a single cell or a, a single group of cells, but just in a, in a flat plate, um, they've made them more rep- representative. There are more cell types involved um, and in a more representative structure, but still that's happening in isolation. It's it's now just the tissue, not necessarily the full organ or it's not the full exactly. body system. Exactly, you're right. Yes. Um, and so you, you mentioned there, sorry, body on a chip. Can you can you just introduce, introduce that idea of, of on a chip? What, what does that, um, that mean in this context? Mm-hmm. So there are some concepts, organ on a chip and body on a chip. And usually those um, uh, represent some engineered uh, uh, special plate which contains some channels, some pumps, some membranes. And then uh, live cells actually seated on those structures in special fashion. So some example of... Uh, this organ on a chip is like Mimeta's company. They have like some channels and they seed cells there. Or Emulate company, they have a membrane and a pump and they can mimic uh, structures like a lung. And body on a chip concept is uh, kind of uh, even next step of development. So those structures, they uh, contain um, multiple uh, chambers where cells seeded representing different organs and then some flow created with pump which go from like one chamber to another so for example some what is the closest um, use of the system could be in many cases uh, like drug candidate get metabolized by liver so you need liver cells to actually get the active ingredient out of that um, compound which people take and then uh, it's uh, 
kind of supposed to go into heart cells or brain cells in uh, kind of representing this uh, blood flow. Because in other case, for example, we would miss out some drugs which uh, not directly affect uh, heart cells or brain cells, but need some metabolism happen first, which would be um, done by liver. It's a really fascinating idea in terms of getting all of these different cell types um, and tissue types into one system so that you can see how they actually interact together. Um, I, I think I, I just read a um, a paper recently that's come out about uh, essentially a combination of using bladder organoids and then also a sort of bladder on a chip model to study mm-hmm. um, urinary tract infections and, and how the, the E. coli that bury themselves into the, the bladder can can avoid um, antibiotic and immune cells and it's kind of this really interesting combination of the the organoid providing that kind of 3d context for the researchers to be able to study how that invasion happens and how they um these e coli bury themselves um sort of deeper into the layers and go past the umbrella cells of the outside of the epithelium and then Ooh. also using the um, organ on a chip model to then say okay well we've got we can see this this how they do it going through the representative model of the tissue but then how does it happen when you've got actual um so they mimicked um the kind of uh urinary flow through the through the bladder and they also gave it sort of mechanic stress as well oh. so that it was like a, a bladder expanding and then closing as well to see how it happened all in that context so it's a really interesting combination of these two tools that just sounds like we're on the kind of edge of really getting quite close to very closely monitor, uh, mimicking um, what is actually happening inside our bodies. Yes, um, this is a fascinating area. And your example you just mentioned, it's kind of excellent uh, demonstrating this not only presence of different uh, cell types, but also their structure and also some mechanical movement and interaction. Yeah, this is all fascinating devices and uh, development so you've mentioned as as well so that's that's kind of one of the things on the forefront now and and also where we're trying to get in terms of what the the limitations are so far um and i guess that dream being the the body on a chip that will one day maybe be a um a potential um a potential tool for for researchers to use but outside of that what what are the the um the challenges the other challenges maybe not just to do with their representativeness what are the challenges outside of that that they present to drug discovery excellent so uh, this is excellent question and uh, there are indeed number of challenges that limit wide adoption of organoid system for drug companies to use it in screening so the first challenge it takes a long time for development of organoid with very complex protocol, which may include multiple steps with different media and process. So the complexity and length of it is the first challenge. And uh, the second challenge, it, could, it, it is that it's extremely labor intensive and uh, exists at low throughput at present. While, for example, drug company, they would like to test uh, thousands, millions of compounds or drug candidates. Right now, this organoid biology not yet at that stage. And so further method development actually is an opportunity to streamline and standardize the protocols and which would allow scientists to have more easy time to adopt those methods. And field is rapidly developing, creating media kits or tools or uh, instruments to help with this effort. 
And the third challenge is development of readouts and measurements. So with study system, it's kind of already this readouts uh, been developed. So which include like cell count and some um, genetic analysis and could be like um, analysis of protein by ELISA. And currently use of multiple methods in, for 3D biology also includes like very wide multiple methods like genomic analysis, PCR, microscopy, many other methods. And those are still developing and evolving. And this is also a great opportunity to find the most important biomarkers and develop methods for um, study by morphology and functionality and also complexity of responses, especially when it's uh, linked to this uh, functional responses like in heart or brain. And um, so to address those challenges, what kind of techniques are, are beginning to improve these models um, and, and also improve that um, those difficulties in, in, in their, their analysis? Yes, so recently organoids become used for study disease uh, phenotypes and uh, methods and instrumentation uh, development is extremely important to facilitate actually research and also enable high throughput screening. And as biological methods increase complexity, then technologies and instruments need also to increase sophistication and capabilities to enable scientists to work with those complex model systems and also to take full advantage of studying that uh, uh, complexity. And so there is a great opportunity for use of uh, methods like high content imaging for further development of analysis methods and getting good quantitation and reproducible result, uh, which critical factors in drug discovery process and also decision-making. And so specific difficulties, uh, for example, in imaging um, include um, penetrating into this deep tissue. And so you need uh, really developed imaging system with confocal and other tools which would allow to penetrate into 3D. So just and because the... Those those models are now we've again because we've gone from those two D models which are quite easy to image on a plate. You're now having to perceive or um, get imaging technology can see through and into these now quite deep thick models. Absolutely, absolutely right. And also those objects are um, not as tiny as um, cell li- layer. It's um, kind of they have uh, millimeters like a. Intestinal organoids probably half millimeter in diameter, but uh, this uh, cerebral organoid is like four millimeters in diameter. So those are true micro tissues, and you need special techniques actually penetrate there, and also to develop some complex analysis, which would not only like count cells, but to have this volume uh, measurements, distances measurement, uh, so sophisticated analysis of different markers. This is a great challenge and also opportunity for instrument development. Um, And and so when you're working with organoids, do you have any kind of um, tips for the best practice when you're using these kind of techniques to try and analyze them? Yes, so the best practice is to take advantage from latest available tools and technologies because field is developing very rapidly. 
And for example, like it was two years ago, uh, every scientist would make their own protocol followed by uh, original publication and uh, make all media ingredients uh, as well. Right now, the tools um, available, let's say from stem cell technology, where you can just buy a kit and do it. And also in grow these organoids, just follow the protocol. And other um, um, suggestion is to use the most advanced um, instruments and uh, image analysis tools or other analytical tools to get best, best, most complex information um, from the system and actually to uh, focus on uh, like multiplexed readouts, which you can get, whether it's uh, imaging for multiple um, readouts or it's combination of imaging with other methods like protein analysis, uh, uh, metabolomic analysis, and genetic analysis. Um, uh, and we've talked a lot about the, the applications of organoids, the, the interesting um, uh, applications and developments within them recently. But how do you work with um, organoids, Oksana? What, what is your um, sort of goal with organoids? Yes, actually, my goal is a method development. Uh, so method development, which would help other scientists actually to do this research more easily. So specifically, as for me and my associates, we work with um, intestinal organoids, lung organoids. Now we work with uh, cerebral organoids and looking forward to work with uh, tumoroids and uh, um, heart organoids. And in all these implications, so we develop uh, the methods for imaging and image analysis. And so we kind of trying to understand what to look for. If you want to, for example, to study, to study inflammation in lung organoids, uh, how would you image it? So, for example, we develop protocol how to image it using our image express micro confocal system so we take images in a z-stack with um, uh, different magnification and then we convert this uh, information into 3d space using advanced image analysis and then we can actually interrogate different uh, uh, morphology on those organoids and represent this complexity in numbers. For example, we can uh, say like how many uh, different um, organoids present, what are their size, what's their volume, how big is the cavities inside, what cells they compose uh, from, uh, what different uh, cell types as by representing this tissue, where those cells live and de or dead after the certain treatment, and how many of each cells, and what is the volume of those cells and distance between those. So, so far we model like a process like inflammation, like uh, toxicity to anti-cancer drugs, and especially in the case of tumoroids, we tested uh, sensitivity to different drugs, like using a library of uh, approved anti-cancer drugs. And in a case for brain organoid right now, so we're trying to develop method how to study its um, activities. So we use uh, method with this calcium oscillation and calcium imaging, so which represent activity process and what is the frequency, what is the strength of those spikes, which uh, uh, chemicals and compounds they respond for. And so if you could ask for, for one thing, 
um, and that could be literally anything. So a fantasy piece of technology, if, if I could grant you something with a magic wand, um, what, what would it be to help improve the application of organoids in drug screening? Excellent. This is excellent point. And if I would focus on one thing, I would definitely look forward to automate the entire process, not only automate imaging and image analysis, which we're doing right now, but automate entire process. Uh, so automate the uh, cell culture, uh, feeding cells, uh, drug treatment, also observations, this monitoring how they grow, and decision-making. For example, at which point you should change protocol to go to different step, in which point you're supposed to uh, passage the organoids to kind of expand them, and how you can add automatically all compounds and see the effects and see the effects by different methods. You may use imaging, you may use uh, a supernatant for metabolic assay and automate the screening and growth and entire process. And I think this is um, evolving and this is um, would be a very efficient uh, next step to uh, facilitate research and development. Fantastic. Well, Oksana, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Techniques. If you're interested in learning more about the research and solutions discussed in today's podcast, you can visit moleculardevices.com slash techtalk8 or follow the link in the description. Thank you for listening and goodbye.